1: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
0: Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts
1: Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Uri here, the whole gang's back together. We're recording on Sunday evening, the ga- the day after the game, where the Sixers staged off Steph Curry breaking the all-time three-point record. And man, that was that a fun game. And we also have another game that we gotta talk about. But guys, how has
2: your weekend been so far? Um, it's been pretty good. How about y'all?
0: I am currently losing to Chris in fantasy. However, I have LeBron James playing this evening. And I also have yeah. D'Angelo Russell. So hopefully, Lucas, I will
1: take down our boy Chris. Let's pray. Let's just pray, because I can't <laughs> do
2: another podcast where Chris glo- gloats too much. My team stinks. I haven't been gloating about this one.
0: Look, Any- of course, Cade Cunningham goes off and he gets 36 fantasy points,
1: but
2: whatever. this Cade Cunningham is really good.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, anyway, enough about yeah. fantasy.
1: Chris, let's just jump right into this Warriors game, because it was fantastic.
2: Yeah. Um let's do that. The pretty big win obviously for Philadelphia Golden State entered the game with the best record in the NBA. It was a 102-93 victory for Philadelphia. Pretty dominant fourth quarter led by Joel Embiid and of course Matisse Thybulle's defense was kind of the talk of the town last night. But Lucas for you what what stood out to you about the starters? Notably Thybulle started over Danny Green, pretty obviously to defend Steph Curry what stood out for me from that stunning group?
1: I mean, Matisse, uh, not Matisse, because we'll, I mean, yeah, we can talk about Matisse, fantastic defense. Interesting fact, according to StatMuse, Matisse Theibel is now the only player in NBA history that has locked two Steph, Stephen Curry three-pointers in the same game. Considering how much of a quick trigger Steph has, that is a very, very fantastic stat. For Thybul to put underneath his belt. Um, outside of that, Joel struggled at the beginning, but then you know was the Sixers' savior and clutch in the at the end of the game, which was fantastic. One of our better Andre Drummond games, I would say for sure. Played with a lot of energy. Nine and nine plus two steals. Really efficient scoring. Maxi started off the game pretty hot. Ended with fourteen points, two assists, two blocks. He had some good defense in that game, too. Um, it was an all around great defensive effort by the team. Um, but I mean, I don't, Chris, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't have too much more to add to that. Obviously, this is Feibel's best game of the season. Maybe some would say his best game like ever, as far as just all around impact, he had Steph. Um, in jail on multiple possessions, and that's pretty much how you beat the Warriors. So um, Golden State entered this game again with the best record in the NBA. Philly has been trying to find its way back after that 8-2 and two start. Obviously, COVID messed a lot of things up. It's been a bit of an up-and-down roller coaster since everyone got back. But this is the kind of game that makes Philadelphia seem like they can still contend with this group. I, I think with, with a pretty big... Um, step in the right direction after that Utah game, which we're going to talk about. And Seibel is the big reason for why they won. He was probably the game's MVP, if you're looking at it from Philadelphia's perspective. Obviously, Joel was big in the fourth, as he said. Um, Drummond has been really good as reserve this year. Obviously, his his starting minutes have been a bit more um, erratic, but when he's playing 15 minutes a night behind Joel, you're not going to find too many better options at the five. And, yeah, I mean, Shake had another good game off the bench. Uh, he's been really solid all season. This wasn't Seth's biggest game, but there, there's not really a ton to complain about. They beat the Warriors. Um, just, just all positives, really. So let, let's talk a little bit about the bench, Lucas. Any main takeaways there? Danny Green only played 17 minutes in this one. I, I would say that's almost definitely matchup dependent, but... Uh, what were your thoughts on the bench? I mentioned Shake and Drummond, like what were your takeaways? I mean, Danny coming off the bench.
1: Let's be real, Chris. If Thiebel can play this level of defense, you and shoot two out of three or one out of three every game, you take what you can get with him. And I, I'd be tempted to keep Danny on the bench. I mean, obviously there are certain matchups where that just does not work, but I think In this game, where you have to shut down the team's best perimeter player, and he's a guard where Thiebel can really just swallow him up on defense. Um, I think that's important. Uh, You know, Shake, you know, didn't have a good shooting night, but, you know, he was impactful for stretches where he could just get to the rim at will. Um, Another not so great Cork Maz night only took two shots, made one of them. Um, George Nyang, not very impactful either. I mean, it was a good cohesion. You definitely saw there was chemistry with this group, but at the same time, you got only one player in, in double digits with shake, and that's 10 points off 12 shots. So not too encouraging, but defensively, this group was solid. So I think that, that was the biggest takeaway there.
2: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I mean, with the Danny Matisse thing, Green has been like the much more consistently good player player this season like obviously in certain matchups you know Steph and the Warriors Trey and the Hawks Dame and Portland there are times where it makes a lot of sense to put Thibel in just so we can shadow the lead ball handler but there are a lot of matchups where you don't really need that out of Matisse and where Danny's offense just makes a whole lot more sense um, Thibel's has been like one of the worst offensive players in the league all year. It's been like really bad, noticeably worse even than last season at times. So I, I, I think that's still an issue. He was two of three from deep in this game. He, he deserves credit, but more often than not, Thibault's offense just hasn't been there this year. Now, if that changes and it starts showing up more consistently, then we can you know, have that discussion. But I, I do think this is kind of a one-off matchup where you're facing Steph and Jordan Poole and those guys, you're not going to face that every night um, so I, I think Danny's still the starting three moving forward until a trade with Ben happens or doesn't happen. But uh, if Seibel's three-point shot does miraculously come around, then it'll be a different conversation for sure.
1: I, I get it. I just, at this point, there are so many dynamic guards in the league, Chris, That and Danny's just getting older. I mean, we can admit that he's still a good team defender, but one-on-one ball defender, he's not it. Like, I don't even know if I could say that he's average anymore. And that's, you know, that's not necessarily to be mean, but it's, I mean, it's an observation of facts here at this point, Chris. So,
2: yeah. And the other thing is like, generally speaking, the offense takes a major step back when Thibel's in the game. That's been the case in multiple clutch situations all year. Like,
1: And I'm not saying have Thibel in the clutch. I mean, I'm not advocating that, but to start out games and play the majority of
2: minutes, you know, have Thibel out on the court. And then you go defense for offense at the end of games. You, I think offense is more important than defense in a lot of games. Like it, it's not really a 50-50 split. Danny is still a pretty competent defender. He's not the guy you're asking to guard point guards. That's generally Tyrese, who's been pretty fine, pretty good at times this year in that role. Um, he's not Matisse, and he's there's a reason they put Matisse on Steph in this game. But Steph is pretty unique. Like Steph is one of the greatest players of all time, which we're going to talk about. Um, you're not facing Steph every night; you can get away with it a lot more in most matchups. Danny has been pretty good defensively, broadly speaking, this season. Again, he's not the same one-on-one guy he used to be, but he's a positive impact defender on most nights. So, offensively, he's a just a giant step up, and I think that's a lot more important when you have Joel and in the middle of the floor running your offense and. Stabilizing your defense. So, I think for now, I'm pretty confident saying that Danny should play more minutes than Matisse on most nights. But, you know, against the Warriors, the Hawks, certain matchups, that's going to change for sure.
1: Agree to disagree. But I think we can just move on to the next point, Chris.
2: So, let's talk a bit about Steph here. You know, he's seven threes away from the all time record. We'll talk about records a bit later but this is the guy who has won two championships or three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three. Sorry. Um, (laughs) This is a three-time champion, probably one of the two, three greatest players of this generation. Where do you think he stands all time though, Lucas? Like in the pantheon of NBA greats at this point, where's where's Steph Curry?
1: You have to put him in the top 10 at this point, Chris. I know that's kind of hard to say because he has so much left in his career or at least appears like it, but Let's okay. I I was thinking about this, so I pulled up my top 10 list that I posted this past uh, March on Twitter, and this is what I have so far for uh, my top 10 prior to this season Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Bill Russell, Kareem, Magic, Larry, Kobe, Shaq, Tim Duncan, Wilt Chamberlain. Now, I don't think you can put Steph past Shaq yet. So he's either nine or ten. I would say he's ten. The question is: do I take Tim Duncan out of the top ten, or do I take Wilt out of the top ten? And this is a hard one for me. Um, because I love both players and they both were dominant in their own right. I'm gonna take out Tim Duncan, and I'm gonna keep Wilt in there, and I'm gonna say that, and I would say that Wilt's still 10 and Curry's nine, so I would say he's the ninth best player, in my pantheon of all time.
2: Yeah, i i I'm not an NBA historian. I'm pretty young, so I don't have maybe the breadth of knowledge that you guys have. But Curry is maybe one of the two, three, four greatest offensive players ever to touch the ball. Like he's right up there. I'd say Curry's probably. I I don't know like there are guys on that list I'd be pretty comfortable saying Curry is at least in the conversation with if not better than so I I too think you'd probably be top 10 if I was making my list not many guys have like single-handedly impacted how the game is played writ large than Curry has he's pretty much changed how we all view basketball how we all view offenses Um, now it's not just him some of that is Steve Kerr and the Warriors and different changes around the league but Curry's been pretty revolutionary in a lot of ways. He doesn't maybe have as many rings yet as a lot of those guys do, but there are other metrics for defining great players. And Curry's one of the most efficient team-wide impactful offensive players ever to touch the ball. Not a great defender, but certainly not a bad defender either. And I, I, I think when we're like looking at guys who have impacted the game in a meaningful way, it's, like, LeBron and Steph are the two guys from this generation. No discredit to Kevin Durant, who is a monster and also one of the greatest offensive players of all time. But I think Steph has the edge there right now. So I, I too, would agree that he's probably top 10. Um, again, not an expert, not an, an NBA historian, but uh, I'd say top 10, too. Did you want to chime with your you know, old man's knowledge here?
0: Yeah, don't mind the uh, random noise in the background. That's Benny. He's trying to find his ball
1: and he's having a hard time with it. But anyway.
0: hey, uh, Hang on, hang
1: on, hang on. Benny's having a hard time getting the ball? Yes,
0: mm. it's stuck behind.
1: Uh, no, no,
2: no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. He's trying to make a Ben Simmons joke. It is. I am. This is very true. Hey, listen.
0: Let's stick to basketball, guys. <laughs>
1: uh, so your your list, Lucas,
0: was pretty solid. I know it's it's tough to, uh, you know, get Wilt Chamberlain out of the top ten list, but you have to look at the impact. I think Chris mentioning him being as one of the top offensive players of all time is legit. You cannot deny yeah. that. Not only did he is he going to break the record in half the time? I believe is it half the time? No, he took half the shots that Ray Allen took to take the lead in all time three pointers. So that is remarkable in and of itself. But offensively, he changed the game into the point where you have entire every kid in the United States and abroad just launching threes like their layups. So the same way that Allen Iverson had an impact on the culture of the NBA, I believe that Steph Curry is going to have that same impact. I can't argue where he is on a Pantheon like you, Lucas, but he is probably one of the most impactful players of all time.
1: Fair to say that Steph Curry is the second best point guard of all time behind Magic at this point. Like, I know he's not a traditional point guard. Like, he doesn't run the offense,
2: mm. but
1: he plays the position. You know, I mean, I, I'd
2: be fine saying that.
0: I, I would not. I would still yeah. say that Isaiah Thomas. Okay. That's pure point guard of all time. Two championship
1: rings. Uh, let you would say he's better than Magic. Uh,
0: uh No, I didn't say that. I'm thinking Steph Curry. Pure point guards. Pure okay. Steph Curry
1: is not a pure point guard.
0: That's he still
1: okay. Guy. Is he still in the top five point guard discussion for you though? Even if he's not a pure point guard? Hmm.
0: I don't think so because you look at Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, uh, don't forget about Oscar Robertson. Uh-huh. There are a lot of amazing point guards that have come through this league. And I don't I don't think Steph, as amazing as he is as a shooter, fits in that that realm of of
1: I mean, he's not a bad playmaker. He averages what, like six or seven assists he's, a he's game. He's
0: a good playmaker, but he's not the passer that uh, Isaiah Thomas and even John Stockton was. Well,
1: I guess it, this is kind of subjective of like how you would categorize a point guard. Because this yeah. is this is how yeah. I would do it. This is this is my top five, just off the top of my head: Magic, Isaiah, Stockton. Stockton has to be in the top three because he leads all players in assists. I don't care if it was the system or not. Guy's a fantastic playmaker. Carl Malone.
0: If Isaiah had Carl Malone,
1: fair enough. (laughs) But so you have those three, and then I'm going to put Steve Nash in there at number four, and then number five, it's a toss up for me, but I'm going to say right now is still Jason Kidd, but. Mm -hmm. If Curry keeps on playing like this, he can knock out kid in the top five, no problem. Wait, don't
2: forget I about mean, Chris how, God, how, can, how can we call him a top ten player and not put him in the top five point cards? I, I get he's not like a pure. Like, are we ranking the best passers? <sighs> yeah, like, yeah, we're.
1: If, go, I'm going off
2: of playmaking ability. Yeah, but that's not ranked. Like Curry is, for all intents and purposes. I mean, if we're going point guards, he's the smallest guy on the court. He's bringing the ball up a lot of times. Like he's uh,
1: Draymond Green is the point guard of that team. Let's be really clear. Like Draymond runs the offense.
2: We forgot about Chris Paul. Chris.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, Chris Paul. Take out Jason Kidd. Sorry, my bad. Chris Paul's number four. Steve Nash is number five.
2: Forgot about that.
1: No disrespect to the point guard. So
2: if Curry's a shooting guard, then he's like what two, three all time on the shooting guards list.
1: Yeah, like, I would I say so. Say I, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I, I would say okay. Let's see. Think about this. You got I mean, MJ.
2: Michael, I think it's like open territory.
1: I, well, I, I my top. Okay, no, is after Michael and Kobe, then it's open. Territory.
2: I, I think you can make the argument. I'm not going to do it here because people will get mad. But I think there's a pretty solid like statistical argument that Steph, Steph and Kobe are at least on the same level. I, I think you can make the case.
1: Okay. Here's my thing. My top three is set. Actually, my top four in shooting guards is set. It's it's MJ, Kobe, D-Wade, AI. And then after
2: that, okay, I don't care. Okay, we, but we aren't putting D-Wade and AI on the top 10 list. So we're just leaving Curry like out of position. So I don't really... Well, I mean, top 10 has to a lot of centers, point. to be fair. Yeah, but how is Curry a top 10 player and not a top five point guard or shooting guard is what i'm saying
1: i mean you make a valid point i'm not disagreeing and maybe i I need to reevaluate like okay if we're just going by name of the position then curry is the top five point guard but if we're going by you know duties of the position or the traditional duties of that position then no curry's not a top five playmaker
2: okay but then how is he not a top four shooting guard because he shoots a lot He, he is a shooting guard he shoots quite a bit i mean I he's mean, at that point, I,
1: I i mean, for me, that's just I, like I said, I see him as a point guard. But if we're going by playmaking skills, okay. then right. he's not then he's not in the top five point guards. Now, if we're going by just name alone, then, yeah, he's the top five point guard. He's probably number probably number three behind Isaiah and magic if we're going by name alone. Sure. But if we're going by skill, but this is all semantics here at this point. Yeah. But let's go ahead and move on, Chris. And let's uh, go ahead and talk about this Utah game. (laughs) And, man, Chris, it just, uh, it was hurt. It was painful to watch, to be honest. It was not the funniest game. Sixers were out of this one pretty quickly. They lost 118-96. to it was not a pretty showing for anybody. Joel struggled in this game, 19 points on 18 shots. Tobias Harris didn't really show up with 17 points. Max, he, struck, I mean, he didn't struggle, but he didn't really impact the game. Curry was the team's leading scorer. Well, probably the most impressive player with 18 points. Um, just, I mean, we saw Isaiah Jones, Charles Bassey. And by the way, Charles Bassey looked fantastic in limited minutes. Um, but Chris
2: let me ask you this. What stood out to you in this game? Um, Well, I mean, all the things you said, it was a pretty lousy effort all around. Uh, I think part of it is just that Utah is about as good as anyone in the league. I think it was Shane Young who pointed out on Twitter that they now have like the best net rating in the NBA over both Golden State and Phoenix. Like they lost a few games early on, but Utah has been pretty consistently great the past two years. They're, probably not gonna I they're not like favorites to win the West I'm not saying that but they're they're about as good as anyone right now that's just a really good team and sometimes you face better teams than you and you lose um for Philly I think this is the game where a lot of people like started to panic about oh they're stuck in mediocrity or average land again and they need a bin trade to kick things back up naturally they beat Golden State the next game and now everyone's like oh they're eight and two remember and so it's been a bit of a bumpy ride these past couple of days, but I I think Utah's just like a level above Philly right now. Like there's nothing really wrong with that. We'll see what happens after a bend trade, but I, I think a lot of it just speaks to how good Utah is. And a lot of it speaks to how much of a struggle it has been for Philly to regain momentum and rhythm after that COVID stretch. Joao was eight of 18 for 19 points, not his best game. Um, so you know, they're still figuring stuff out. They seem to figure a lot out against Golden State, especially in that fourth quarter. Hopefully that is, again, a positive step in the right direction and a sign of things to come. But Utah is really good, so it it happens sometimes.
1: Yeah, um, clearly, you know, guys like Joel and Tobias are still making their way back. And while Tobias didn't shoot bad, he clearly was not that aggressive. Um, Joel – uh, clearly was still making his way back and i think he's still going to take some time to get back into his, his shape and he did go down with that that uh, abdomen abdomen injury what was it like an abdomen strain um that was even impacting him a little bit during the um the warriors game but just um to talk on the jazz yeah they i mean they got even better than last year in terms of depth they added Whiteside and go and Rudy Gay, who are upgrades over their reserves at those positions last year, in my opinion. Um, and they can play different styles now with Gay and Pascal playing small ball five if they need to. They still got Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles coming off the bench. Royce O'Neal is still a really good defender. Rudy Gobert is a pretty good defender and, you know, reigning you know defensive pretty. player of the year, which brings me to my next point, Chris.
2: Does Rudy Gilbert win it again for the... I believe this would be the fourth time in his career? Um, I mean, it seems pretty possible, likely. I mean, who else Who else is going to win it this year, you know? Uh, I got a few names. Like, you know, Joel is in the conversation if he keeps it up. Giannis is always there. Miles um, Turner always there. Mikhail Bridges has been really, really good for Phoenix. If we're going to put a perimeter guy in there, um, sorry to Matisse, right now it's Mikhail Bridges, but Uh, I mean, I think it's Rudy's award to lose again. He's just that kind of player, that kind of defender. Um, I I know you guys aren't the biggest Gobert fans, but at least in the regular season, whatever you want to say about his postseason career, there aren't many guys impacting the game defensively on a more consistent and a more wide-ranging basis than uh, Rudy Gobert. Draymond is up there too. I forgot to mention him, but I, I think it's Gobert right now. So I'm gonna say probably the favorite right now is Draymond. Um, some other guys that I would throw in there
1: is Giannis. I don't think Joel's been consistent enough on defense this year. To be honest, I love Joel, but I don't see it for him this year. If I'm gonna put a Sixer up there, I'm gonna put Matisse Thybul. And that Steph Curry game has really brought up his stock in that. Just like the okay, job but- that, just like how Mikhail Bridges did to Stephen Curry.
2: Thiebel did even a better job, in yeah, my opinion. But that was one game, and Thiebel was better last season, frankly, than he has been this season for pretty much. I
1: mean, okay, fair. However, he is coming back from COVID protocols, so give him a little bit of time. He'll get into he'll get into form. He is getting more minutes now, so he has to adjust his game accordingly. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's Draymond. I think Draymond because the Warriors have, I think, the best defense right now. And Draymond obviously is the reason that that anchor and of that defense. Gobert might be the most physically impactive fool, but let's be real. Draymond is a guy that can guard one through five, and he is one of the smartest defenders that this NBA has ever has seen in this era of basketball. Um, so yeah, I, I would say Draymond. I I mean, I hope. I mean, because honestly, like I just don't think Gobert is like on the McCambite Matumbo and like
2: um ben wallace level of defense i don't see it well i mean people I mean, I aren't afraid of gobert agree. like i i think he's there like i, I, I don't a, one of the best defenders of the last 20 30 years uh, uh no 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 there's a guy named ben wallace that would disagree i didn't with say the there. best but he's like in the conversation i don't know you're what do you think I think Chris
0: is right. Gobert in the past decade is one of the top defenders. I, I can't deny it. Re, I mean, look how many rebounds he had against the Sixers over, what, 22, 23 boards, and then blocks. And then the blocks that he doesn't get, he actually probably dissuades players from even taking shots. So he's he's the man defensively. I can't,
1: I can't argue. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a top three candidate this year or top two. But I, I, I'm feeling Draymond for this year. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I think Draymond... I'm not saying, like... I'm not predicting what the NBA award voting body is going to do. Like, Draymond clearly has fans, and Golden State has the better record right now. And people may not want to vote, you know, Gobert for a fourth. It may be someone else's time. It's like, why does LeBron not have more MVPs than he does? Because of voters fatigue? It might be the same thing with Gobert. But I I think he'd be my... Leading candidate right now, but Draymond is right there at number two. I would say, I, I'd say like Gobert, Draymond, and Bridges would be my top three. Um, if I had to make see, I
1: three. don't know if we're talking purely defense, I don't know if Matisse is better. I feel like Matisse is better purely on. I mean, don't get me wrong, Bridges is a great defender, okay, and a great two way we- player, and be- and a better two way player. He can he's an offensive threat. I'll give it to you, but if we're talking purely
2: defensive impact. Well, we're not because you have to be on the floor and Bridges is playing 10, 15 minutes a night at most, at like the very least more per night because Thibault's offense is so bad he can't be out there. Like you have to play the minutes to win that award. I I think that's why he wasn't first team last year. And it's probably why Bridges would be my pick this year. And like COVID stuff, true. But again, Thibault has not been as good consistently on defense as he was last season. Like he he's working back into form. That Steph game is going to win him a lot of eyes around the league. Like he's getting back to form, whatever. But as of right now, I think Bridges would have a pretty clear lead in my opinion.
1: Hmm. I mean, arguments could be made that's for sure. But Chris, I think it's time for us to switch gears again.
2: Let's talk about Ben Simmons. So, Oh boy. Um, yeah, is it good news? Is it is yeah, it good news, Chris? I, I think it is what you guys would define as good news. Okay, good. I would good, define good. as good news. Okay, uh, good. From Adrian Wojnarowski over at ESPN, reporting with Zach Lowe: "Quote: Philadelphia's trade conversations on Ben Simmons have been gathering momentum in recent days. More teams engaged. More two and three-way deal structures being talked about. Those talks are ongoing, according to Woj. And the end of this report." is that the 76ers are, quote, trying to land a top 25 player for Simmons. Um, that seems pretty consistent with what we've heard all, you know, summer, winter, that the Sixers want to get a comparable talent for Simmons. But also, how many top 25 guys are available right now? Who do we consider top 25? Who do the Sixers consider top 25, et cetera, et cetera? But it does seem like momentum is gathering and that Ben may be traded sooner than later. December 15th, again, is the day where most of the players who signed contracts over the summer are eligible to be traded, Lucas. I think 84% of the league at that point is eligible to be traded. What did you make of this report?
1: Well, the, the one thing that we forgot to mention here is that um, according to the Blazers, Dame is not on the table. So we got to throw Dame out. They're not. They're trying to build around. I
2: feel like that's been a given for a while.
1: Yeah, I know, but it's been it's been reported again. So we have to restate that. Um, But yeah, the trade restriction is getting lifted for most free agents this summer. So it's not surprising here that there's some momentum building. And I mean, we've heard some names like Jalen Brown. I don't know if that's necessarily on the table. I would suspect not, but. Maybe a team like the Pelicans, who have Brandon Ingram. Maybe you consider Brandon Ingram a top 25 player. It's tempting. Maybe you consider De'Aaron Fox a top 25 player. I I wouldn't, but some people would. I wouldn't consider C.J. McCollum that, but, you know, who knows? Um, I, I don't know if it was from a credible source. I don't think it was, but um, I saw somebody tweet, uh, Portland shooting down Dane for Tobias trade. Uh, I, I forget who said it. I don't think it was a credible source, but I mean, not Dame. Uh, CJ for Tobias, that's off the table. Um, I, I don't think it was credible, but it would be fun if that actually happened. Um, but no, um, so I don't know the names off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, it's certainly a, a fun exercise to go through. Um, we know Portland's getting ready to blow up their team according to Shams uh, Kernia of the Athletic. They've reported that they're shopping Miles as a bonus yeah. and or uh, Karis Levert. So, I mean, they they could be part of a three-team trade. They could get Ben to, you know, Indiana or, you know, something along those lines. We don't know.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Mark Stein said he, his report worded that it was a player in the Damian lillard to gilchrist alexander tier. We probably shouldn't get too caught up on like the number twenty-five. That everyone's list is going to be different. It really doesn't matter. But I mean, if it's I Shea think... Gilgis
1: Alexander, I mean that would be a. There's Good. been
2: some like real chatter about Shay yeah. from Liberty Ballers and different yeah. guys lately. So I I think that's interesting. I'd be everyone on this podcast knows I'd be thrilled if Shea Gilgis Alexander was the return in a Ben Simmons trade. Um, well, we talked about last time, Chris. Uh, though I don't think our that pod got published but
1: uh, the basic gist of what me and you talked about was what if there was a three-team trade that sent sabonis to the um to the thunder and then Shea goes to the sixers and ben goes to the um yeah
2: yeah i i think like if i had to pick a team where i if i had to pick where ben's going to get traded before the trade deadline if i had to name a team it's the pacers that that's my pick. I, I don't think OKC would be interested in taking on Ben and his contract over Shea. I don't... They Maybe they view Ben as a better player. At, who knows? And their contracts are pretty similar at this point. Shea is a couple more years on it. But, like, I, I, I don't really know what the Thunders game would be unless they're just out on Shea as, like, a franchise building block. And he's only shooting, like, 40% from the field this year. It's been a bit... He, Bobby, is, but he, has crappy
1: team, he has crappy teammates. Team. Yeah, he, he has crappy teammates. The only yeah. other... Like, Lou Dort's not really an offensive player, and he's, like, their third-best offensive player. And
2: and Josh
1: Giddy is a rookie. Like,
2: yeah. the, he has no weapons. Yeah, like, I'd take Shea over Ben every day of the week. If yeah. I was OKC, okay. I, I don't think they would want someone like Sabonis, either, if they're going to trade Shea. I would think it'd be for, like, more picks. Or, like, the James Wiseman, Kuminga package from Golden State or whatever, but I I don't really know what OKC would gain from that. But if it's possible, which maybe it is apparently, that'd be great. I I don't think Jalen Brown's happening. I don't think Kyrie is happening. I I shudder to think, but um yeah, I don't think the number twenty five is particularly important. Like uh, I I think CJ could happen. I think CJ could happen. I I, think Shay could happen. From like Low and those guys, it doesn't seem like Philly has any interest in CJ. And I frankly kind of agree with that. I don't think Fox has really done himself any favors. I don't think Philly should have a real strong proclivity to t- trade for Darren Fox right now. Like those mm-hmm. guys, Brandon Ingram, those guys just aren't aren't top 25. They aren't on the Shake Gilgis-Alexander tier, in my opinion, as far as trade guys go. So uh-huh.
1: And Shea and Maxey
2: would make a really fun backcourt too, should be no. Yeah, I I think we're heading towards like a three-team trade of some sort. I like the Pacers sending Sabonis somewhere, getting Ben back, and some other team getting a bunch of young guys and picks together. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, uh, I could I could see it. I could definitely see it. I I it, well, I don't know. That's the thing with the
1: Pacers. Like, if you trade for Ben, you have to get rid of Sabonis because Ben and Sabonis just overlap too much. Keeping Turner, yeah. no, and sure. like I don't mean you debated this. On that podcast that never aired, but um, if you get Ben, you gotta you choose turnover Sabonis any day of the week because yeah, the fit there I, is much better. Yeah,
2: for sure, I I agree with that. And but think that, like the Gilders Alexander thing doesn't really work for a three teamer because why would they want Sabonis?
1: Well, uh, what about this Sabonis? Well, what a,
2: really wants McCollum? Like, well,
1: what about this
2: San Antonio? Sabonis yeah. works perfectly there. There's another one, but then it's like, how, what's your opinion of DeJounte Murray? Murray and Maxie is a really funky fit too. Um, yeah. Murphy's a little bit bigger than like McCollum. He's a better defender, but the offense is going to be weird. If Murray, I mean, a if to you could get Murray and Keldon Johnson, I mean, I, I mean, that's, but yeah, that's... like it's better than nothing right now, which is what Penn Simmons is giving you. So uh-huh um like DeJounte's been like a triple double machine this year he's like what what are his averages they're pretty insane like he's a good player I think he's averaging like 7 and 7 or something like that if I had to guess but but like if you get trade for DeJounte Murray are you benching Tyrese Murray's at eighteen, eight and 8 so like that's you take that 44 percent from the field 34 percent from deep That, that those are good averages um but you can work with that with Joel. You could. Yeah, Murray and Joel I'm not worried about. But, like, Murray and Tyrese and Joel. I mean, and we and talked
1: Bryce. about it. if you get a good enough point guard, you can still have Maxi come off the bench. It's not ideal for Maxi's development. But if it helps you win a championship, you do yeah. it.
2: Yeah, like, that's that's just the things we're going to. I, I will way. say
1: this, this. This Curry defensive game that Matisse has had, That increases his stock in case, you know, they do try to get, you know, Dame Lillard. And here's the thing. Dame Lillard said that he wants to stay in Portland. And while we've heard reports Portland doesn't want to trade him, they are coming to this precipice here because Dame has asked for a two-year extension added on to his already long contract, which would pay him like $55 million at 36 years old. Yeah. Does Portland really want to do that?
2: And not be a what? real contender? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think if you can have a player like Dame Lillard, you generally speaking should. But, I, yeah, it's tough. There's definitely, like, noise around Lillard still in Portland. So maybe this report doesn't carry every bit of weight in the world. Bradley Beal is back to making, like, weird, I have to be selfish cryptic comments again. I don't know if he's going to get traded this season, just because Washington has a pretty good record right now. They've been in a bit of a slide lately, but
1: I would still, I would still be interested in Brandon Ingram if Wait, I please. was the Sixers
0: guys. Before we talk about Ingram and Beale, I do have a theory. I'm looking okay. at, I'm looking at what Dame is asking for, which is asinine. He has never won a championship. He has never been to the Western Conference Finals. He's asking he's... for a
1: two-year and a hundred and nine yeah. million dollar yeah. extension. Yeah. So
0: that tells me. That he could be setting this up so that he's forcing the Blazers to trade him. trade him because yeah yeah he, I mean why that's, that's why totally possible that, that, yeah, that's yeah like it's so astounding what he's asking for that he he's asking
1: be, you got to pay for my loyalty guy. he's asking he's asking them to pay for his loyalty if you, I'm not going to win a championship here I want to be paid for it at least he cannot be labeled the bad guy if you put it on the team to pay
0: you and if they don't pay you then trade
2: well them. that's what Shaq did okay. remember. That's what Shaq did. I think with the that, Lakers, like a pretty fair analysis of the situation. But with respect to the Walsh report, Damian Lillard's contract has nothing to do with December fifteenth. Oh yeah, the no. two and three team deal structures probably aren't based around Lillard. Like, no,
1: they're probably based around. Cons are Indiana. gaining
2: momentum. It's with teams that aren't Portland right now because that report made it seem like Philly and Portland are pretty much at an impasse. So I agree, Uriah, that there's still very much a chance that Lillard does not get that extension and that he gets traded at some point. But if you're Philly, are you still waiting on that? If it's not going to happen before the trade deadline? No, I wouldn't. If you're going to get a top 25 guy back for Ben, you can use that player to try to get Lillard in the future. If that is, I mean, and here's the, here's
1: the other thing. Like I'm not saying Lillard's washed, but he's not playing like a top 20 player right now. I mean, injuries and you know, He's not not really like a fifty million dollar player. No, and he's I not. mean, granted, it's early in the season. He's dealing with injury. You know, things could turn around, but right now, like, like if you, like Chris said, if you can get a top twenty five player, maybe you should, and just you know, take the risk with Dame because he's thirty one. Other he's than Steph Curry deal.
0: and LeBron James, who else is worth fifty million dollars? Come on, guys. Dame, um, Dame is he's he's well, he's pulling a fast one
2: um i mean like, maybe kevin durant staff durant those maybe. guys are all gonna get 50 million when their next contracts come up did what was chris paul's number like
1: chris paul he like, got three years like and 96 uh, 96 okay. mil three years yeah.
2: 96 so he's getting like 30 something like john wall's making 44 million this like next season okay so they, they, they paid though.
1: him because they severely they overpaid him because they him on last contract.
2: They That's did, what happened. But there. all the veteran super maxes are going to be in that range in the next few years. Like I, Lillard, first career is, is like a top ten player in the league. I don't think it's like asinine to ask for that. I do understand why Portland might have some level of concern, like thinking long term with the AB injury and stuff. But like, I don't think it's
1: totally unreasonable for him to ask. It's for that. not unreasonable, but at the same time, if you're trying to build a contender around yourself, then you take less. But at this point, it doesn't seem like Dame is being, like, maybe he doesn't, maybe he's starting to admit to himself even subconsciously, like, hey, maybe I can't win a championship here, but I'm going to get paid if I'm going to be loyal.
2: Yeah, I mean, no one in the league is taking a real meaningful pay cut to, like. Nobody's Tom Brady in this, in the NBA. That doesn't really happen. Like I guess the Heatles kind of did it. Yeah, the Heatles kind of did. It's pretty rare, and Uh, Kyrie and Durant did it for DeAndre Jordan a
1: couple years back.
2: Yeah, true. But yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah, like it. it can happen, but no one's like gonna not ask for at or near the max. That's like people are gonna get paid first. But Mm -hmm. um, like if the Sixers trade for Dame Lillard, I'm giving him that contract. I Oh, if you're the Sixers, yeah, you give them that contract. Yeah. If you're but, Portland and you want to keep Dame around and you think you're the new front office and you're like, I'm not going to do the same stupid, stubborn things that Neil O'Shea's been doing for a decade, maybe you give them that contract and you try to build a better team. Because, like, they haven't done anything meaningfully different for two, three years. They can still trade CJ. They can still trade Usher. But is there a market for CJ? Outside of Ben – how do you
1: get better by trading CJ? I'm not, I'm I'm not sure, but I'm sure there's a market. Like he's a good player. Do you get somebody better in return if you build a package around CJ? I don't know
2: that outside of Ben. Like yeah. it's a fit thing. I don't think you're going to get like a, an outright more talented player than CJ, but you might get better by trading him for the right package. And I think there are teams that CJ makes a lot more sense for than Philly, frankly. Um, so maybe the Knicks. Yeah, sure. Like the Knicks, sure. Knicks got to do something. Um, so there, there are teams to talk about. I, I don't think the Ingram thing's going to work out just because Ben in New, New Orleans is a no-go. Well, no, I, that would have to be a three-teamer. But like, again, like Sabonis in New Orleans is a no-go. Fox in New Orleans doesn't make much sense. I, I think it makes more sense than... I, like Fox doesn't shoot well. And you have Zion that you're still building around theoretically... I think what about CJ? What about CJ in New Orleans? Sure, but Ingram's like six, seven years old, younger, right? Five years younger. So I I don't know. I think Ingram's going to stay put. We're going to talk about NBA records. Uh, Of course,
1: Matisse Thiebel's defensive effort um, was able to stage off Stephen Curry breaking the all time three points made record set by Ray Allen. Chris, what are some NBA records we feel will never be broken or may take many years before they get close to being broken?
2: Um, You know, that is a great question. I think, like, the big obvious one is Stockton's assist record. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, so far ahead of everyone else that it's pretty – I don't think anyone's passing that anytime soon. Um, You know, like, scoring leaders – uh, how, that would how far be... is Kareem ahead of LeBron at this point? I mean, uh,
1: where... K- well, LeBron's still behind Carl Malone, too.
2: Yeah, but like assuming LeBron's going to play a few more seasons, he's. I've,
1: I think Kareem's at 38 mil, and I want to say LeBron's at like 35.
2: Yeah, okay. Or... So I could see LeBron passing Kareem if he plays another like five years and he doesn't completely fall off the wagon, but that. LeBron is getting old. Um, I think,
0: I think can LeBron could
2: play until he was... I think he can pull Vince Carter, but he
1: mm-hmm. won't be averaging 25. He'd be averaging probably like eight, 16 to 18 at the end of his career if he decides he that he wants that. to do
0: it. He could break Kareem's record if he yeah. played two, maybe three more seasons. I don't think he needs five more years. Well, he- I'm
1: just saying, counting on a drop-off in points per game. Right. Right, Because I don't think he's going to be able to average 24 or whatever he's averaging this season. Well, the last,
0: the last year that Michael Jordan played for the Wizards, he averaged 20 points a game on 38 minutes a night, might I add, and played all 82 games. But anyway, if LeBron is averaging 20 points a game at 40, he will crush Kareem's record.
1: I mean, we'll definitely see. I mean, LeBron has missed big chunks of seasons these last that couple years, true. too. That's true. So injury, I don't think his – ability to perform will stop his like ability on the court will diminish enough to where he can't break the record. It's whether or not his body will actually hold up. But if it's anybody going to do, it, it's going to be LeBron because he does yeah. take very good care of his body. And the last injury was a freak
2: accident. It wasn't like a conditioning injury. So yeah, I, I think LeBron has a real chance to do that, but if he doesn't, then like, I don't know if Durant and Curry are going to quite get there. So um, wait, are you talking about the injury when he was pulling the uh, the Sam Cassell? No,
1: when um, I'm talking about when uh, he uh, nice, hey, yeah, funny. Um, <laughs> no, I'm talking about when uh, when Solomon Hill rolled on his ankle last season. Oh, yeah, okay,
2: yeah, all right, yeah. I mean, the injuries are starting to be a thing with LeBron, um, so it's certainly worth monitoring um i don't know how much longer he's gonna play we none of us know um i, I, I i've
1: heard that he's gonna try to stay in the league until his son gets in
2: yeah but like is is his son gonna get into the league is that's like the next question is is lebron jr even good enough for that to be i mean they're pick? putting his games on the uh they are but like yeah if you read the prospect rankings it's he's not like number one or anything he's he's mm-hmm. Not, you know, I, he's not going to, like, be the star at Duke or anything. So, um, like, Wilt Chamberlain's rebounding record is pretty high up there. I mean, Duncan is six. He's the most recent kind of guy to be in that conversation, and he was, like, 8,000 shy. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's going to touch Wilt's rebounding anytime soon. Um, I'm going to say I don't think anybody's going to break um, Hakeem's block record.
1: Yeah. He has 3,830, and the closest active player right now is, um, who is it? It is um, Sergi Baca at 27th.
2: Really?
1: Yeah, with 1,138.
2: Yeah. So, so, I mean, a lot of these are pretty absurd numbers, and... I, I think the scoring title is obviously the one everyone's going to be paying attention to for the next few years, as long mm-hmm. as the Bronx in the league. Um, but the like this record, I don't here. think is going
1: to get broken.
2: I, I think. think what's
0: what's interesting, Lucas, is what? the Hakeem Olajuwon number. Yeah, uh, thirty thirty eight hundred blocks, and then Dwight Howard, who's still in the league and is still, I guess, relatively young and in shape.
1: He only uh, Dwight
0: thirty six. Well, all right, your point. But he's in Young shape. And in shape Dwight Howard only has, and I thought he would have more Lucas, 2,207. Oh, I forgot blocks. about Dwight. Yeah. He's 13th on the list. Okay. And he's never going to touch Hakeem. That's,
1: he might not even get in the top 10. You're right. I, I would agree. Let's see. He, um, top, let's see, blocks. He would have to pass Robert Parrish. And that means he would have to get, well, actually, he only needs like a hundred and seven, uh, like sixty more, or less than uh, like a hundred and fifty five. Yeah.
2: Why it's not getting get another hundred fifty bucks? No, he's not. <laughs> I,
1: don't. I mean, if he plays for like three or four more seasons, he's maybe he's like but...
2: barely hanging on to a rotation spot. This
1: actually, time. he's yeah. starting right now. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. He's
2: like, not <laughs> be... he's that on the way out.
1: Okay, you're right. I don't even notice this. Who's Tree Rollins?
0: Tree Rollins played for the Atlanta Hawks in the 80s. He's, if you go back and look at Michael Jordan highlights, there's a block, there's a dunk that Jordan, um, he did like a pump fake and drove the lane. But no, he dunked on Tree Rollins in the relief.
1: Yeah, most of these guys that are in the top 10 played in the 90s or before, like Hakeem. There yeah, are
2: fewer block opportunities now than there probably were back then. Because there's are... more perimeter shots? You're right. Yeah, Chris. they're not that's playing in point. like a packed paint. Like, Let's the...
1: see. Brooke Lopez were... is 36th. Yeah. So, that's surprising. That's good
0: point. And... And, and you know what? Chris, that's a good, such a good point. I would put money on that. That I don't think anybody's ever going to break that record.
1: Yeah, I I just I don't see it. Like, like let's see here. Um, Tim Duncan yeah. was top five. And, and he played play... for like 20 years.
2: Yeah, I mean, how much longer is the NBA going to exist? We don't know. Uh, how much longer is planet Earth going to be habitable? We don't know. These are all important questions that I'm not prepared to answer. But those those numbers, like Keems, Wilts, um, Stocktons, those those seem pretty hard to reach. I got one, Chris, for you. Free throws made. Don't look. It's not. I didn't
0: put the link in. Take a wild guess who has the most free throws made. I'm gonna I'm gonna check.
2: No, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not no. gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say it. I no just fun. no fun. Um who has the most free throws made? Yeah, Chris. Go just try. Okay. Oh uh, no, man. Ugh. Don't think too hard. Okay, MJ. Nope. Well, he's six. Okay. Lucas, did you cheat? Oh wow. I did.
0: He cheated. Uh, Carl Malone has yep. nine set nine thousand seven hundred and eighty-seven free, free throws made. And the next closest player who's still playing is LeBron with only 7,635. That that <laughs> will never get broken. I'm
2: yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah.
1: I, yeah. LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild.
0: It's some It's some records that's
1: going to stay around for a while, guys, just because the game is. Wow. Changing. Paul Pierce got in the top 10 for that. Would not
2: have guessed. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. James Harden well, James is 11.
2: Yeah. I. I've done some research for like lists of fan titles and stuff. Paul Pierce was pretty great. Iverson um, is fourteenth.
1: Wow. Yeah. Barkley's fifteenth. Okay. All right. Okay. Um
2: let's You see would think has... Wilt
0: would have more. Wilt's only twentieth.
2: Kobe was third. Huh. Oh yeah, I could see that. Didn't wasn't Wilt like not a great free throw
1: shooter? Oh, he was horrendous. Yeah but that's why oh, yeah, yeah. Well Shock is twenty-three. Yeah. But that's yeah. why they I mean yeah. think about how many they attempted those Shaq attempted, they both attempted 1,100. Yeah. Jerry I mean, 11,000. Sorry.
0: Jerry Staghouse is in the top 50. Go figure. That's, that's crazy.
1: Russell Wilson's at 32, and Dwight's at 33. Wait, Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson is No, Russell player. Westbrook. Sorry. Wrong sport. Wrong, sport. wrong Russell.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: All right. ro- world free. World
0: huh.
2: World be free.
0: All right, are we ready to move on social media? Yeah, I think we're ready to move on here. All right, for the social media question of the week, the question was, how likely will the Sixers get equal value in a trade for Ben Simmons? Uh, Over 300 votes. The options were not a chance, maybe, or absolutely trust Daryl Morey. 44% of the voters said that maybe the Sixers will get equal value. 27.1% Twenty-seven point one percent said not a chance, but twenty-eight percent guys said absolutely trust Daryl Morey. Chris, what what do you think about those options?
2: Um, well, I don't know what is equal value is where we have to start, right? It's like a,
0: it's like a, it's like a uh, another All Star.
2: Yeah, all-star do book. I think they can get another All Star? Yes. Is every All Star as good as Ben Simmons was like at his recent peak? No. Is but, like, is Ben Simmons ever going to return to that is also a question. Ben is not playing right now. So it's kind of hard to define equal value. So I, I guess maybe it's the safe choice. It kind of gives you more options. Um, there's a spectrum there. But I'll say maybe. I'm not confident they're going to get a player who's, like, outright better than Ben was. But, um, you know, Ben, who knows what's going on with Ben at this point? Who knows what's going to happen when he goes to another team? Um, there are a lot of question marks there, so I'll say maybe.
1: I, I, I would say maybe, too. Like, honestly, I just don't know. It's so subjective, of course, when you think about equal value. Everybody has a different opinion of it.
2: Yeah. Some people so, would say Buddy healed and a first-round pick is equal value. Some people would say that they'd... That, that's nowhere near equal value. It just depends on who you ask.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that that's why I put, I put maybe, and I was the one that wrote the poll. I mean, technically, I posted it. You wrote it, Uriah, right, but I posted it. You know what I mean. Can I go and- out and just say that
0: absolutely trust Maury, simply because he can work a three-team trade. I don't think that's the issue. He can match up salaries. Uh, I think that the Sixers will probably get multiple players in return, depending on what other teams are involved. And we will get we will get players uh, together or just one star that is better than Ben Simmons because he's just not who he puts himself out to be. At least yeah. not for this team, not for the Sixers. Maybe somewhere else he'll become a star, but not here. Yeah,
2: I I think the fit thing is important, and I I do agree. Like Daryl has taken a lot of crap because he's more patient than Sixer fans. But like, if there's anyone I'd want handling this. Extremely unfortunate and unpredictable and not ideal situation. It's Daryl, like he's as good as they get. So if anyone's going to do it and pull it off, it's him. Um, so I, I agree with that. It's just I, I, where's Ben's value at this point? I I don't know. It's
1: I think you get him. an all-star player for him. I think that's the best you can get him. I like, and it doesn't have to be a superstar. You're not going to get a superstar player for him. His value has diminished. Despite him not playing, it's it's diminished. So I think all-star, like a Brandon Ingram or like, you know, I'm not saying Sabonis because obviously the fit wouldn't work, but that level of all-star player, like Brandon Ingram, you know, maybe one or two-time all-star player, like, yeah, you could get that level of player for him because that's where his value is right now, at least in my opinion. But this is all subjective. But I think on that note, Chris, do you want to go ahead and play us out, man?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty bad week for me in fantasy, y'all. Um, looks like Lucas might make the uh, football playoffs over me. So congrats to you. Lucas. I'm actually losing right now. Uh, but I think so am I, and so are all the other six and seven teams. So you might still make it. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, so, we'll see. Our football league is a very strange place. I'm
1: losing by um by um
2: eight points, and I only have one more to play, oh so you might win i'm I'm toast, so congrats to lucas um we'll we'll assume he's gonna make it
1: um, well. No, my kicker was on a bye week, and I'm not waving him. And then the only team I got to play left. You're was not waving your
2: kicker for the last game of the se- regular season that determines. I could
1: use to him play. in the playoffs, and he's the number one scorer. He's okay. he won me several games this year.
2: But you, it's like make or miss. You're right on the ledge. Look, you got to make it first look, for guys, your kicker to matter. Lucas, it's a kicker,
1: Lucas. Sorry,
0: no one cares about your kicker. We want to know. The listeners want to know. Chris, are you going to congratulate me?
2: Yeah, no, I was about to get to that. Uriah, so congrats to both of you for uh, your successes. Um, My fantasy team in basketball has been like a who's who of who's hurt in the NBA this season, so that's been fun. Um, I think I have Jimmy, I have OG, I have Jalen Brown. Uh, Like all these guys are missing time. It's been very frustrating, but congrats to you, Uriah. Um, Congrats to Lucas. And congrats to all our listeners who I'm sure are doing great um, things out there in the world. Um, If you can, please like, subscribe, and follow along um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever else you can find our podcast. You can listen on our website, thesixersense.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until later this week, have a good one, everyone. Go Sixers. And we will talk to you soon.